This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own now time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics you need to start your investing journey. We unpack all the jargon and confusing bits, hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating. And of course, we like to have a lot of fun on the way. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. We're going to get a little bit active today. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, we're going to stand up and uh, move around to be active. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in. No, no, no. Leave it in. <laughs> no. You can't have all your bad jokes cut. There'll yes, be no podcast let's, left. Let's move on. <laughs> Yes, Ren, we're going to be talking about active investing. This is uh, the second episode in our uh, curriculum series. Uh, we've been talking about investing I don't, I don't styles. I like the curriculum series. <laughs> Whatever Se- it may be. Second chapter of our three parts on investing styles. Second chapter. Oh, no, we're calling it a chapter. Second part of the same chapter. <laughs> anyway, it's episode two on investing styles. And uh, to recap, uh, the last episode, we touched on what it means to be a passive investor and what it means to be an active investor. And there are plenty of uh, routes that you can take when it comes to active investing, which is what we're going to be touching on in this episode. You may have heard of terms such as growth, value, momentum, technical analysis, and that's what we're going to be covering off today through a bit of a game. Yes. So, um, if you're a passive investor, the decision about how you invest is quite easy. You buy and hold market indexes, managed funds, or broad thematic ETFs. You put more money in over time, you go to the beach, and you let other people do all the work for you. If you're active, there's plenty of choice about how you invest. You And depending on your style, you might be investing in different companies or different you know, uh, markets or different assets even. And you're looking for different things. You're, you're researching different numbers and metrics. You're looking at different aspects of the company. Um, and so, we were thinking about how we could do this episode in a way that wasn't us just reading from an economics textbook or a CFA 
you know, exam notes or something. I don't know if this is even asked in the CFA, <laughs> but um, we decided on a bit of a game, a game, a who am I game, uh, where we'll throw out some key, I guess, uh, characteristics. characteristics, love that, um, and then... I mean, we wrote the notes, so it's not going to really be a surprise. We'll get the answers right. But I think if you're listening, um, you can sort of play along at home and um, have a think about like some of these different characteristics and also think about do they suit your way of thinking, the time that you have available, the amount that you want to spend uh, in terms of time and money in investing. So, so, yeah, a bit of a game. We'll see how it goes. Could flop. Could flop. We won't go into the weeds too much on the technicalities of all of these things. We'll keep it high level and you can give us a, an email if, you, if you'd like more information. Just before we do kick off though, Ren, exciting that we are only two days away from our live show. Yeah, live show week. We're partnering with Stake to present All Access, a series of live shows that will give you an industry deep dive and some insights from industry experts. We're kicking off with the alcohol and beverages industry this Thursday, the 29th of April. Super excited, starting at 7 p.m., Tickets are uh, sold out, which is great news. However, you can still join from the comfort of your lounge room by streaming uh, the event. The tickets are available on our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. The links are all there. Tickets are free and you can, uh, by streaming, uh, you can put yourself into the running for plenty of merch packs, plenty plenty of uh, free prizes around booze and uh, a bunch of other awesome things. So we've got five industry experts joining us for a live panel session with Ren and I. Uh, this Thursday, make sure you don't miss out. Yeah, we're going to have to be sharp on timings. No waffling from you. No waffling. Oh, <laughs> mate, I'm coming with a lot of clocks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so shall uh, shall I kick off, Ren? Sure. I'll ask a few who am I questions and you can tell me what you think, uh, okay. what t- the type of investor that I am. Sure. So I am an investor looking for companies that are disrupting industries or are in industries that are growing very quickly. Price is not uh, that important because I think my investments will grow for years or hopefully decades to come. Uh, a lot of the time, my companies I invest in are not profitable but I'm okay with that, surprisingly. Yeah, there you go. And the metrics that I care most about are revenue growth and profit growth. Who am I? What is my investing style? Your investing style, you said it twice in your last characteristic. You're a growth investor. I am a growth investor and you're right. I did say it twice. The metrics that I am most looking forward to seeing are revenue growth and profit growth. And I'm looking for companies that would be going to grow quickly yes. within their industry. And in many cases, grow into the price that you're paying. Yes. So, some immediate examples come to mind. Uh, a lot of them you're seeing in tech at tech. the moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of tech companies. Tech, buy now, pay later. It's the buzzy stocks. It's the buzzy stocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, growth is the sexy style of investing, but it can also be quite high risk because you're often paying a premium for these stocks because people expect them to grow so much. So, if they don't grow... There's a long way to fall on the downside. Absolutely. All right. You want to kick yeah, it off? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who am I? I am looking for companies with strong cash flow or profit. I care a lot about the price I pay for an investment. Growth isn't that important for me. If a company doesn't grow its profit, but I can buy the existing profits it does make at a good price, then I'm happy. 
and I'm looking for companies that I can buy for a discount to the profits they, they will make for years to come. So, some buzzwords in here and you've used a couple of times, uh, price, good price, discount, which tends to uh, make me think that you are a value investor looking to buy companies at a good price relative, uh, I guess, to their value. To their profits. To their yeah. profits. And uh, and pr- it's more important that you get that than a company that is growing quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's... um. That's that. That's that. <laughs> That's value. So we've got growth and we've got value. Ren, we'll take it to another level. The first thing I look at is what the company owns. I want to buy a dollar for 50 cents. I don't care about future growth prospects for the company. I don't care if it grows at all. All I dream about is a company that owns $100 million in land that is trading at $25 million in value. Yes. Now, that might sound a bit complicated and a bit sort of in the weeds, but what uh, investor am I? So, deep value. Deep value, yes. correct. correct. Which, off, which, which may be confusing. You know, we've just talked about value. Now, we're talking about deep value. Um, the way that we conceptualize it and value investing purists might come at us, but um, I think for us, this is a really simple way to think about it is when we think about value investing, we, f- we think about the company's future profits and uh, how much we can buy them for today and you want to get them cheap, the, the profit or the cash flow. When we're thinking about deep value, we think about what a company owns today and think about that's value compared to the share price. So one's about like future profits and what's the value of that that we, what's the price we're paying for those future profits today? That's value. Deep value is like what does a company own on its balance sheet and can I get them cheap? You know, like does a company own a hundred million dollars worth of land, but I can buy that for twenty five cents on the dollar? And as we uh, touched on last episode, you need a hands on active approach when it comes to active management, and you also need to take the time and have the time to do some analysis on these companies. And you can start to see by these questions that we're asking the analysis that needs to go in, particularly with value and deep value in understanding whether or not you are actually getting value for money or value against the profits. This is not something that you can just uh, throw darts at a dartboard and hope. No, no. And because, you know, like with growth, you care a lot about like, is it is the company actually growing? So, you got to cl- stay close to that. With value and deep value, you care a lot about the price that you pay and then you want to sell it when the price that you think is a fair price is fully realized. These aren't buy and hold, set and forget investments. You you do have to keep an eye on them. All right, next one. Um, I'm going to do the characteristics because I know this is one after your own heart. Okay. My number one investing tool is charts. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) I look to buy... I look to time my buy and sell decisions based on what patterns are appearing on these charts. I think the charts give me an insight into investor psychology. I'm looking for key resistance levels. When a share price hits a certain level, I think investors are willing to buy back in. Or if it hits a certain high, investors will sell out. Some of the key indicators I look for include cup and handle patterns, a tower bottom, or a morning doji star. You missed the head and shoulders. <laughs> I actually just chose some of the funnier uh, funnier names. 
Look, Ren, um, a lot of jargon in there and uh, you're right, I have uh, dabbled in this space. This is a technical uh, technical analysis yeah. if investing pe- style. If people have ever seen those investing charts of like a price and then people drawing a whole bunch of lines on top of that, yeah. that's technical analysis. And those funny terms that you mentioned at the end there, the cup and handle, a tower bottom, morning doji style, yeah. the head and shoulders, they are all types of patterns that appear on the page once you start uh, drawing a bunch of lines or the way in which the stock price is is moving. But yes, you're talking about an investing style known as technical analysis that is not thinking about the company or its growth potential or its balance sheet or anything that growth and value investors look at. These investors are purely using the the movement of price on the charts and, as you mentioned, uh, psychology of investors to make decisions on when to get in and out of stocks. Mm. It's not about the actual company itself in most instances. Yeah, and this, of all the investing styles, to my mind at least, is the most time-intensive one. Like if you're thinking about people that spend all day watching markets, um, for me, this one and the next one that we'll get to in a second, but this one in particular is a... I'm going to sit down in front of three screens yeah. and watch. I mean, you're competing here against algorithms. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like you, if you want to beat the market, you've got to beat some of the most powerful computers in the world who are sitting there looking in the smallest of milliseconds uh, to make investing decisions based on um, technical analysis. So, Yeah, the algorithms are a particularly potent force in the next one as well. So let's get onto that. All right, Ren. So I care about what other investors are doing. I want to buy when others are buying and sell when others are selling. My number one investing tool is trading volume. In other words, the amount of trades that are being uh, put on. When there are more buyers than sellers, I expect prices to go up. When there are more sellers than buyers, I expect prices to go down. That's your classic supply and demand. Some of the key indicators I look for include relative strength index, moving average convergence, divergence, (laughs) average directional index. Don't panic about those uh, uh, jargon terms there if you uh, haven't heard them before. But Ren, what am I? So you are a momentum investor. Momentum. Yeah. Now, don't panic about those pieces of jargon. But if you feel like this makes sense to you, Look them up. Yeah. Give them a Google. Um, also, I know someone is going to have a crack at us that you can never have more buyers than sellers or more sellers than buyers in a market because by definition, every time a trade happens, there is a buyer and there is a seller. Um, there are plenty of unfilled orders though. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you can have Apes. more potential you buyers. Have, yeah. or Plenty de- sitting in the sidelines. Desired buyers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, just wanted to say that before <laughs> someone slid into our DMs. Um, but yeah, you're a momentum trader. You... You're, you think that supply and demand is everything and when stocks are in demand and people are willing to pay higher and higher prices to get their hands on that stock, that'll drive the price up. And then when supply is higher and people are willing to sell and you know they, they're trying to get it off their books, trying to get it out of their brokerage account, they'll continue to accept lower and lower prices. And that momentum, you think, is a big trading opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it ties nicely into technical analysis in some way because, again, you're not looking at the fundamentals of the company. You're not thinking about growth prospects. You're purely looking at what are other investors doing with this stock and how is the price translating mm. to that. Mm. This The time frame on momentum doesn't have to be super short term as well. Like a stock could have 
six months worth of momentum. Yeah. Um, but like you're, 10 years. But you're looking to buy when that momentum starts building and you're looking to sell when uh, that momentum slows down and the sellers start to really yeah. pile in. All right. Uh, I'll do the next one. Um, for me, growth in share price isn't the most important factor. I want my investments to pay me an income. My investments need to have stable profits and ideally growing profits so they can support a steady, if not growing income. Australia is my favorite market in the world. Who am I? Who who am I? (laughs) I'm a retiree. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Uh, Uh, I am am a retiree who... uh, has an investing style that is based around income, as you've mentioned yes. here. You don't have to be a retiree. You don't have to, no. There are plenty of income investors. Uh, income is a style of investing. Um, it is heavily favoured uh, as you get older in life and you do want your investments to generate an income, perhaps if you have retired and you don't have a job. But uh, you can make investment decisions um, based around the income that you want to generate and that then leads you down a path of choosing particular investment products. So, Ren, you mentioned Australia's favourite market in the world. That's because Australia has very favourable tax conditions for dividends, as well as many companies here in Australia do actually pay dividends. Well, that's a chicken and an egg thing. They pay dividends because it's tax efficient to pay dividends, whereas in America... It's less tax efficient, so they just buy back stock instead. And uh, there are a number of other products as well that you can invest in that pay an income. So um, there we go, income. Yeah, now let's keep going with this game because I think it hasn't completely flopped, which is always a good sign. (laughs) Uh, But before we do, uh, we need to earn some income. So let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. So uh, we'll continue with this game. Uh, I'll, I'll do the next one. Yep. So who am I? I think the fortunes of individual companies are tied to the global economy. I think the future prospects of Commonwealth Bank are more tied to reserve bank interest rates, Australia's housing market and global credit markets than any projects happening inside the company. I cower in fear whenever I hear the term US-China trade war. Soft. I I spend a lot of time analysing government policy and thinking about what it will mean for the economy. So a lot of high-level stuff going on there, Ren. A lot of, um, you know, I guess views that uh, are not so uh, granular and that leads me to think you are a macro investor. Yes. So you're, you're not concerned about what is going on within Commonwealth Bank, but you're concerned about the forces that are occurring uh, within Australia and around the world from an economic and business point of view and uh, a geopolitical point of view as well and how that might affect uh, companies and your investing decisions. Yeah. And if you think about how that's different to the other, what, five, six that we've spoken about? No, yeah. even more than yeah, six. So the, the first six that we spoke about, you all we all started with the companies themselves. We were, you know, I care about the company's growth or I care about the, the price I'm paying for the company or what the company owns or even what the company's chart looks like. The, your first port of call is the companies themselves. Um, that's known as a bottom-up approach. You might hear that jargon a little bit. This macro investor is the opposite. They don't start with the companies. They start with like what's happening in the global economy, what's the government policy, and then depending on that, they're like, oh, this will help banks. All right, well, let's have a look at banks. And, you know, they go down the other way. So 
that's known as a top-down approach, starting with the big stuff, going down to the companies at the end. So you might hear bottom-up or top-down approaches as uh, pieces of jargon. That That's the difference. Yeah, and a classic example, and apologies for using jargon, but uh, if you were to think about the discussion around inflation at the moment, that is a macro uh, force, I guess. Um, and if you're to invest uh, thinking about inflation, then you're going to be led down a particular route depending on which side of the debate you're on. But uh, that's an example of uh, investing with a macro approach. So there's seven uh, of the key styles of investing you should be aware of, I guess. Hopefully, you've had to think about the differences and where you think you fit in. Uh, Growth, value, deep value, technical, momentum, income, macro. Nice. Now, we've got a few. This game is not done. This ga- this show rolls on. We've got three other styles that uh, shouldn't be part of your uh, decisions. You know, it shouldn't, shouldn't <laughs> uh, be a choice for investors. But unfortunately, too many investors do yeah. fit into these. And look, shouldn't. Yeah. We, we have at times definitely fit into these, um, but we're trying to get better. Absolutely have fit into these. And I think- it's important to say that you're most likely going to invest uh, in, in one of these styles at some point. Probably in, all three. <laughs> in your investing journey. And the earlier you can do it and potentially make a loss and understand the mistakes, the better. So um, I'll kick off. Let's do it. These are, now to be clear, these are not ones you should be considering. <laughs> not. I keep buying stocks when they're most expensive and lose money. I hate reading on the Equity Mates discussion group how much people have made on Zip and Afterpay, and I always feel that I'm a couple of days too late to an investment. If my mates make money off a stock, I'm jealous. Uh, you are a FOMO investor. That's right, You have Ren. a fear of missing out on gains and you hate to see other people making money. You hate to see it. You hate to see uh, your friends making money and you're always reading that stocks are going up and this and that and people are making a fortune. So you inevitably then jump in on the stock, but it's too late. You've missed the boat. The stock falls and you lose some money. Yeah, this is me uh, circa December 2017 in the, crypt- the first crypto bubble couldn't have picked a word i was i was so good for so long and i was like i don't believe in it well i i think it's you know it's just hype i'm not going to do it but the constant whatsapp messages about how much money you boys were making eventually uh i bought uh, right at the top a classic so FOMO. i got i resisted the fomo for so long but then i fell victim to it uh hopefully people out there can learn from my mistakes uh next one um I love chatting stocks at the pub and in WhatsApp groups. I've got a mate that knows a lot about investing. I hate doing research myself. I'd rather follow what other people are investing in. I think investing is just like gambling. Oh, I mean, there's many words you could associate with this one, uh, but it sounds like, Ren, that you are referring to the classic stock tip investor. Yes. Love uh, love a good stock tip from uh, from a mate, from a friend, uh, through a text message or wherever you may be. Yeah, and my sister's uh, boyfriend's uncle's <laughs> yeah. uh, brother's dog trainer <laughs> yes. uh, works at this company and he it's going to go to the moon. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
you don't do any of your own research. You blindly put the money in and uh, lo and behold, it doesn't pay off. Yeah, and then you start to think it's like gambling because it's just random. That's it. But the fact of the matter is it's not random. You just haven't done the work. So don't take stock tips. Do your own research. Now to close this one out, Ren. Once I buy a stock, I don't need to check it again. I think of myself as a passive investor, but I actually invest in individual stocks. Stonks only go up, as we know, and I've owned Telstra for the past five <laughs> years. There's a joke there that that would be a pretty bad investment. But um, yes, yes. Um, who, who am I? You are an, uh, I think, have we come up with this term? Yes. Oh, nice. Uh, you are an ostrich. Yes. You bury your head in the sand. Head in the sand. Don't look at it, but I haven't put enough in place to ensure that if I'm not looking at it, I'm actually doing myself good. Yes. Because if you're randomly choosing individual stocks uh, and you're not paying attention, then you may as well not be investing. Now, this is an important distinction and I think people may, or what people often get tripped up on it. It is more than okay to be an ostrich, bury your head in the sand, don't look at things for a decade, however long, if you're going to be um, investing in like if you're a passive investor and you're investing in like the market index or managed funds, um, you can just set and forget and let other people do the work. Um, you know, that's the whole principle of super is bury your head in the sand f- until you retire. It's only when we start talking about individual stocks where burying your head in the sand becomes a, a no-no. It's because just because individual stocks are more risky, um, you know, things can go wrong more easily because one company can screw up or, you know, something can go wrong in the industry or a competitor can start taking market share. Whilst you can bury your head in the sand if you're just owning a little bit of everything and you're just betting on capitalism to do its thing, um, if you're owning individual companies, you, you do just have to keep an eye on them. Absolutely. So, Ren, that does bring us to the end of our episode on who am I investing styles. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully by now we've uh, been able to shed some light on what it means to be a passive investor uh, and the approach that you could take. And then now we have gone through what it means to be an active investor and the many different styles within that. I think it's, uh, it's important to say that you know, you don't have to start with one and stick to it. As we've said many times before, find what is right for you. Ask yourself the questions we spoke about in the last episode around, do you have the time? Do you have the energy? Do you have the knowledge to be able to do some of these styles? And uh, and don't let it stop you from starting. Yeah. Now, um, we do have a listener question to close this episode out. So let's uh, get to that. Uh, Melissa in our Facebook group asked, uh, how to best build a portfolio of growth and value? That is, does it really need to be an either or situation? Which uh, perfect timing for that question. So that's probably why we included it. <laughs> so how would you answer that? I mean, you you can build a portfolio of growth and value. You'd need to be looking at each company through both lenses, I guess, to understand which one you're going to be placing it in because your buy and sell thesis will be completely different. One is a company looking for growth within an industry. You're not so much concerned about the price you pay, whereas the other, you're concerned about the price you pay. And when you sell that stock will be different to when you sell a growth stock. So 
you, you can do it. You can balance a portfolio of both approaches, but you need to know why you're buying the stock if it is growth or if it is value. Um, and, you know, the level of knowledge that you'll need on both fronts is uh, is a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's rare that you can say there's one company that fits all the criteria for growth and all the f- criteria for value. What you'll often find is investors uh, that say they're a combination of value and growth um, are really growth investors, but have heroic growth assumptions and then do a discounted cash flow and say, oh, well, I'm getting the future earnings cheaply. And so then they say they're both, they're really focused on the growth side than the more than the value side. I think, yeah, just you, you can definitely have both. I mean, you could do all, what, seven different approaches that we said. You could, you could split you could. your money into seven different sections and you could try and run them all you probably wouldn't have any time left in your day no um and you probably wouldn't do a great job of it i think the important thing is to know what your strategy is know how much time you can dedicate to it know how many positions you want to hold um but look there's nothing wrong with having some value and some growth because there are times when growth will do better than value and there are times when value will do better than growth and so if you think about like the biggest money managers in the world you know the the Yale endowment, the Harvard endowment, these multi-billion dollar funds that are trying to build multi-generational wealth for these institutions, they run a whole bunch of different strategies and they say, you know, we'll dedicate 20% to managers who have run a value strategy, we'll do 25% to managers who run a growth strategy and then, you know, over time they'll say, all right, we think value is going to do better so we'll put more of our money into value and less of our money into growth maybe do some alternative assets, you know, all that stuff. So 100% you can do both, but just be really clear about what each company or what each fund or what each ETF you're buying, like where that fits. Is it passive and is it growth? Is it value? Is it momentum? And just be really clear about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Nice one. Well, that does uh, bring us to the end. Next week, we are going to be closing the investing styles out with uh, having a look at the a day, a month in the life of a passive investor, some of the actual actions and investments you might make. Same with a growth and a value investor. And then we're also going to touch on uh, our styles of investing and how we uh, approach our, our month. Uh, or year, whatever it may be. So looking forward to that, Ren. Always good to chat stocks. Hopefully you you out there have uh, been able to get something out of this that will help you on your investing journey. We'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.